Are you in a tour bus right now? Uh, I am currently yeah, in the back lounge of our tour bus. We're, um, we're in a car park in Omaha, Nebraska. Ooh, <laughs> Midwest. We're in between, in, between, um, in between Minneapolis and Denver. Wow. And so Denver tomorrow night? Yeah, that was tomorrow night in Minneapolis for starters. I was actually in St. Paul, uh, so we were in St. Paul last night. Very cool. Yeah, nice. well, the bus leaves at like 11 p.m. tonight, and then it's like a big old 10-hour 10 10-hour 10 drag down to down to Denver. What do what do those drives look like for you guys? What what's like? What, how do you stay occupied? Do you have any studios or anything on the bus, or is it just like watch TV, chat, knock about? I mean, you're mostly asleep. So like the like the whole reason that you're on a tour bus is so that you can cover like eight hours worth of road while you're like you know while you're asleep and not doing anything so usually yeah you're asleep or you know you got up a couple of hours early and you just like, like sit in the bus read a book you know jump on your ipad stuff like that um i actually find it difficult to be creative on tour in terms of like having a studio on the road because you're just like i'm so occupied with gigs and the energy that it takes to like do that every night mm. um like it's almost like the last thing I want to do is then like set up some speakers and a microphone and, and like feel like I have to be creative. So it's like I can't really do do both things. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. Well, um, this is probably I would imagine sort of a different interview setup than you typically have. Not talking about music, we're a mental health podcast disguised as a golf podcast, um, and so. I want to start with where your journey with golf started because I, I'm sort of to set the scene. I literally just saw an Instagram story from my friend Jojo Regan from Manners with you sporting some Manners gear and playing some golf. And I was like, oh, shit, like jungle plays golf. Let's go. Um, so, yeah, where's where's like your golf journey start? Um, ultimately, it probably starts in France. Because my parents, we used to go on holiday to France quite a lot. And my parents were like super into like mini golf. And <laughs> France has like the best mini golf on the planet, right? I mean, like some of the mini golf courses out there, I guess you guys call it like putt putt and like, you know, that, you know, just like putting games with like, like sets and like the holes are really cool. And yeah, France just seems to have the best mini golf on the planet. Uh, I don't know why, I don't know how, but it does. Like some of the some of the tracks we played there, just like unreal. Um, so I loved putting from an early age, and then I remember my my mum's mum had some like really old like wooden shafted irons in her like garage, and so me and my brother just used to take like those like little orange like training balls into her garden and just like you know pretend that we're playing like the first hole like St Andrews, you know, but like just going up and down my grandma's garden. Um, so my story goes really good as a result of all of that. <laughs> nice. um, the rest, the rest, the rest has a lot to work on. But um, but then yeah, I could, gradually as you get older, you start playing more. Funnily enough, my parents were like quite anti golf when they were younger. Um, my mum even said to my dad, she was like, "If you ever start playing golf, I'm going to divorce you." Whoa! Fast forward like 40, 40 years later, they're both like playing golf together. Um, <laughs> but that's because my dad's my dad's sister was super into her golf with her husband they sadly passed away in 2012 um but they bought me my first putter they took me to like my first like proper golf course um and yeah so like it just kind of gradually grew and grew and grew but I never I was never like really really into it and like a golf fanatic um until I started watching it a bit more when I got older 
Um, but funny enough, I wasn't playing then. I sort of took. A, I didn't really play between the age of like being 18 and like until like last summer. So like that's a good like almost over 10 years out of the game and away from playing it. And then last summer during lockdown in the UK, one of my mates was just like, "By the way, like have you ever played golf?" I was like, "Yeah." And he was like, well, "Let's go and play because it's essentially the only thing we can do right now during lockdown in the UK is go and play golf." So. Yeah, I dusted off my old clubs that I had since I was a teenager. Um, I drove over to my parents' place and picked them up and started playing again last summer and um, just got so deep into it, man. It's just like, <laughs> like a bottomless pit, do you know what I mean? And you can just go in and in and in. And you just like find yourself watching like PJ Golf at 4 a.m. and you're like... <laughs> you're like, dial it back. <laughs> That's funny though. It's a it's a steady theme that we keep hearing in our conversations with people is like introduction to the game, leave the game for a long period of time, and then come back to it full swing. No pun intended, but very much intended. Um, so that's that's interesting to hear that that's your journey as well. Drew also um, had a period where he was away from the game for a long time until twenty twenty, right, Drew? Yeah, yeah. Very similar to you. I you know here in the U.S. as well, there weren't a ton of options for safe uh, activities to, to participate in. And uh, you know, I had some friends that that, uh, that that wanted to play golf, and I was like, hey, we have nothing else to do. So I think I, I think I carded over 60 rounds in 2020, which is more than I had played in uh, 15 years. And so, yeah, I, I, I definitely feel that um, that's, yeah, that's, that seems to be pretty much where a lot of people are at. Um, did, did, you, did you see anything different, Tom, from when you were playing as a kid to now, like how the game has changed? Like what, what do you see that's uh, different or uh, maybe even the same as, as back then? I definitely, it, it's a very different game playing with like your friends and your contemporaries as compared to your parents. Like it's a much more, I guess it's in much more social and enjoyable and mm. varied. Um, obviously it's obviously it's still like a battle with yourself. And that's what I love about golf. You know? I mean, it's just ultimately like, you versus yourself and your own confidence and your own your own mental strength and the course and the weather and you know and that's what i've really enjoyed is like i mean i, lo- I love being outside being living in a big city like london obviously those chances are few and far between to like really get out there and get some space to yourself and some time um but yeah i mean ultimately there's a tee box there's a hole and there's a ball and you've got to hit it as straight and as good as you can, right? So not much has changed, but also I definitely find I definitely find more solace in the game now. It definitely I think it means more to me. Um, you know, having lost the two people that were probably like the most important like golfing figures in my life, um, it's nice. I, I get on the course and I I remember them every time I'm playing, and that's a really nice thing, you know, like. Um, Actually, I actually putted with the same putter that they got me for my like. I think they probably got it for my like, Christmas when I was thirteen or something. Wow! And it was like a piece of like a pile of junk, right? And, like, I like pulled it out on my first game with my friends, and they were like, "What? <laughs> what are those?" <laughs> and then in that same round, I drained like three or four like thirty or forty foot putts for par or birdie, and they were just like, "Never ever change that putter." Then I finally did. Yeah. I finally <laughs> bought myself. Uh, little Scotty camera which I love now um, but I still got the old one and I'll pass it down you know through the generations um, it's just like yeah I mean golf's just got so many facets to it do you know what I mean it's mm. 
it's joyous it's like it's infuriating it is relaxing it is nerve shredding mm. um, but ultimately it's just like it's just a great place to just go and the golf course any golf course is just a great place to be for five hours you know it's funny to hear you say five hours because i feel like that that time frame gets a lot of stick from people um about golf takes too long golf is is uh too occupying but it's it's nice to hear you say and it's something that i think we've talked about as well that it is a break and it is like uh an escape and i would rather have it take five hours than four hours because it's a nice it's more than nice it's it's just a different way to spend your time but but a lot of those people talk to them about what they do and they're like yeah i go to the gym like once a day how long do you spend at the gym a day an hour hour and a half Mm. so over the week that's like five six seven hours that's more time than i spend playing golf every week you know what i mean <laughs> that's really <laughs> to be in like a singular chunk yeah on a saturday or a sunday which like you know people are like oh, how can you just like waste half your day on a saturday it's like okay rewind <laughs> waste out of the sentence <laughs> um but yeah no, and it, it like good occupations and hobbies like take time right you need mm. you need that time to mm-hmm to like defragment your brain from the world around you. Do you find that golf is a, is a compartment that you are able to disassociate from the sort of like more creative side that's, I imagine, constantly chugging on the music production side of things? I think they probably complement each other because whenever you get space from, from what you do, you get perspective on it, right? So, mm. you know, being on a golf course once a week actually probably enhances my like, Mm. workflow during the week um or like if i know that i'm you know if i go and play nine holes in the morning one morning i'll go into the student i feel really fresh and excited and happy to be there and like calm i guess mm. so i like to link the two because actually they, they they benefit each other you know if i've written a great song i'll go and shoot a great round the next day <laughs> really <laughs> wow yeah, yeah, yeah. that's hilarious that's really interesting I, maybe I'll have to try and link two passions in my life. I don't, I don't know. Like I, for me, it's like it's cooking. It used to be music, actually, but it, now it's like cooking. So I wonder if there's a way that I can compliment. Oh, I made a great meal last night. That means I'm going to go low tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, nutrition's important, man. So you know, get yourself a good food in the morning. That's right. That's right. So you'll be hitting bombs. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Does anyone else in the band play? No, so our tour manager, Nick, he plays. Um, okay. But he's actually just, he injured his wrist um, quite bad. He had to like have an operation on his wrist last year. Oh, shit. So he's just recovering from that. We've, I've actually just got back from Top Golf in Omaha. No way. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. We were, we were down there just having a hit, man. It's fun. I was going to bring my sticks to the US, but they got nicked the week before we left. I know. So, that's huge. That's terrible. Yeah, man. Like devastating. I mean, it, the clubs aren't necessarily the issue. It's like all the little amazing trinkets that you pick up playing golf. You know, it's the towel that I got when I played at Wentworth with JoJo. Um, he then invited me to a golf day at the Grove, which is like a really famous course in North London, um, where Tiger won the world uh, the World Tour Championship. Mm. Um, and I actually drove. There's like a plaque on the ninth fairway, and it says, "This is the sh- this is the spot where." Tiger hit his three wood after his drive, which went in the hole for his eagle on this par five. Um, and I got up to my drive and I was like, oh my God, I drove up to the Tiger pad. Like, Whoa. I was good as, I was good as, I was good as Tiger Woods. <laughs> and, then I, and then I hustle shank my A <laughs> hundred yards right. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> this game will humble you, man. This game will humble you. Brings you back to Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, but that's it. That's the great thing about it, right? You can you can never ever rest on your laurels and get to get too big for your boots. And I think that's a huge that's a huge part of like being a good human is having that humility and understanding mm. that like there are greater things out there than you, and you don't always have control. <laughs> yeah. So you, you said that uh, the golf kind of became more of a recent place of, of solace for you where you know, we, we talk to a lot of people that work in the golf industry or are you know golfers uh, you know professional golfers and you know a lot of times golf is is not their escape because they they're constantly in it uh, for you what was what was the kind of that place of, of solace or where did you go to recharge the the creativity before you picked up golf last year um I think it's quite hard to, to know that. I don't think I did get that time because mm. until, until the pandemic hit, we hadn't really had a chance to like not do anything. You know what I mean? So mm. jungle was always a thing and we were always making records or always on the road. And then suddenly to have, you know, 12, 16, 18 months where it was like, actually, I do have a life. I can have hobbies again. Um, mm. I guess that was it. I mean, obviously, like, you know, in, in my 20s, I was, you know, playing video games and hanging out with my, my roommates in, in my flat and, you know, just like potentially just not understanding the potential of what, what I left behind. Do you know what I mean? And I, I do regret it. I regret the 10, 12 years that I hadn't played hmm. before. Um, like massively, really, really massively. Like I actually sat there thinking about this the other day and I was like, the last time that like, my parents and I went to play a round of golf was probably like in South Africa in 2000 and seven wow 2000 no no 2010 2010 that was that holiday in south africa um but i also remember being such an arsehole that day like i was just like in why but i was like i was like i was like it was just like i didn't i didn't understand i didn't understand what golf was enough and huh. i i like essentially ruined the day for my family by like mm. playing badly and like being an arsehole because of it um, mm. and I think like looking back on it now I deeply regret that you know what I mean and I deeply regret like not making the most of the fact that I was at an incredible course in South Africa that I'll probably never get to play again um, mm. like the scenery was amazing the course was like in the most unbelievable condition like the rental clubs that we got were like on by the best <laughs> and I was just like this miserable teenager just like not enjoying it yeah yeah and and I think the thing that I've learned and the thing that I've learned to enjoy and I think that actually what it's given me a good life lesson mm. it's like you hit a bad shot the only thing you can do is pick your bag up and walk on mm. like that's the only thing you can do on a golf course mm. no, no one's going to like sit there and like rub your tummy and say like, oh don't worry like, next time you hit a better shot it's like you know, you've got to work through it yourself and you've got to like you've got to understand that in golf and in life like bad shots happen mm-hmm. Like the next shot's gonna be, it's either gonna be better, mm. but it's probably not gonna be worse. Yeah. It, there's also something to be said, I think, for that trip to South Africa, you know, that's, that's, that's family time. And that is, um, as, as we all know, that's fleeting, right? Like that's not a, that's not a permanent resource. It's not a, a stable asset. And so now it's nice to hear you reflect on when you go play golf. Now you play in memory of your family members and that growth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just memories, you know, it's like it's memories of pretending I was like mm. 
probably I probably pretended I was Colin Montgomery when I was a kid. Like, <laughs> he was like it was either Montgomery or Faldo, but like Montgomery because my granny was Scottish, and so like mm. I got and I was like got to play the Scottish card a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's, and yeah, memories of my aunt and my uncle, and we had some like amazing Antero. I remember like one round where we just played it was like around Christmas time in the UK, and that's never a good time for golf in the UK because like you're playing off winter tees. Mm. Chances are that like the greens are like aerated and bumpy or sandy. <laughs> Yeah. And it was like just like driving, driving rain in your face. And I remember being like really miserable, but then the abiding memory I have of that round, even though everything about it was completely miserable, is like picking a line with my arm and like nailing it. And like the rest is immaterial, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can't you can't replace that and you're right. Like there's the there's the quantitative moments that you can remember on paper forever with a golf score, but more importantly are those those fleeting qualitative memories that you can't get back no matter how hard you try um which is the beauty and the tragedy all all wrapped in one um music on the golf course yes or no for you um no because i've tried like even the driving range i can't even be like listening to the radio or anything like that because i need i need to hear the full strike Oh, interesting. Okay. okay. <laughs> and, and, and I and I actually I just enjoy the silence. I enjoy mm. the wind in the trees, like someone rattling along with their bag, like the sound of people hitting trees. <laughs> <laughs> Your opponents, That's not like, not you, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't enjoy the sound of myself. Yeah, I enjoy that piece of quiet. You know what I mean? And that's that's actually. I cycle as well, so that for me, those mm. are two things. Mm-hmm. It's like I just get like air. Mm. I mean, it's just the sound of air and the world, and that's like really calming for me, really meditative. Mm. And maybe since music is your business, sometimes it's nice to get away from having to listen to music. Yeah, I mean, I, look, if someone if someone in my group had like a Bluetooth speaker and they were like pumping some tunes, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I'm, I'm not going to like mm-hmm. walk over and be like. <laughs> hey, guys, this is on my quiet space. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to pipe down. Yeah, yeah, it's also interesting to hear you to come back to golf in the pandemic. I mean, the pandemic did weird things for different industries, right? Like, golf boomed, but then industries like music slowed down and felt tentative, right? And felt Ooh, like, should we release music? Are we going to be able to go on tour? Can you describe your headspace around when the pandemic started, when it wasn't looking good for musicians, touring musicians, and things like that? Um, what were you? What was sort of your experience around that time? I think essentially it was just the unknown, right? Um, and however the unknown like approaches you as a human being, that like it, it, it ruffles your feathers. It makes you. Essentially, the adrenaline kicks in, right? As a, as, a, as a mammal, you're like, oh, I don't know what's going on. So, like, I'm sort of in fight mode. It's fight. You just like get into that like zone of being like pumped full of adrenaline, slightly anxious, slightly worried the whole time. Um, we were very lucky, right? We didn't have any touring planned. Um, I know a lot of friends who had like full global tours booked for 2019, 2020, and it's just like wow, like just like wiped off the face of the planet. And um, so, yeah, we were lucky in that sense. We sort of knew that we were going to be in a period of hibernation making a record. Um, 
Josh and I lived very close to each other in London, um, and we sort of like created a little bit of a bubble. I mean, to be honest, we'd recorded the majority of the material in 2019 for this record. Um, and so actually, we just had a bit of a break and mm-hmm. got to recharge our batteries. I got to spend time with my girlfriend, who's now my fiance, and is also now the mother of my child. We had a daughter of nearly six months ago. Oh, wow. Congrats. Congrats. And, Thank you very much. Um, and yeah, we were like cycling through London, cycling through the forests outside London. There were no cars. We just had like, we had a really great summer, like connecting with our friends, connecting with our flatmates. Like mm. I spent more time with my flatmates than I ever had before because they both work in music. Um, and so we'd been living together for five years, but there was never a week where we were all in the same house together. Wow. Like we were just always traveling, always doing things out of gigs, out of dinners, like, you know, we'd see each other in the morning and say hi, and then, you know, you, you might not see them for five days. Yeah. So <clears throat> just like having dinner with your, your friends and your girlfriend every night was like, wow, this is this is awesome. Like, this has never happened in my life before. Mm. And to like, you know, as, as, as you guys know, as people of our age, like, we're so busy. It's like, it's crazy how busy we are and how much we do and, 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 like there's almost no, you lose that, that sense of community a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, and I think with my flatmates and with my golf buddies, I definitely found like a real a new community almost. Like it's like um, it definitely like helps replace what what I lost with like you know being in the studio the whole time or being on tour, you know. Right. I'm actually in the process of um, moving uh out of portland so i live in portland oregon what what you just described made sort of made me think about my experience here in the last nine years and i'm sort of in the process now of taking a victory lap right of of places and things and activities and people that i that have made that this space really meaningful for me over that course of time but you take some of those places people and activities for granted when you don't when you don't have the space or the the literally like the schedule space the bandwidth to engage in those activities but when you are are given an opportunity to say this might be the last time i do this thing or see this person for a very long time and covid did that as well um you approach those things differently and i think with more meaning and and more value and those end up deepening your relationships hey y'all this is brad and Connor. Andrew. We wanted to take a quick second and thank you for listening. It truly means a lot to us, and we want you to know that you're loved and you're welcomed here. And if you ever need a listening ear to vent or just to talk to somebody who cares, we want to remind you that group golf therapy is a safe space. Our DMs are always open at group golf therapy on Instagram. Hit them straight and mind your golf. What are some of your favorite golf smells? This is going to be a little bit weird, but I do love the smell of my golf shoes. Okay. Uh, even though I th- probably think that to like somebody else, they smell <laughs> really, really bad. Um, but it's like you just open the trunk of your car, yeah, and you just get like hit with it. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> it's time to play. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I love the smell of cut grass. Mm-hmm. Nothing, not, nothing in the world for me beats like freshly cut, freshly cut grass. Mm. So yeah, I think my golf shoe is obviously very personal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, cut grass. 
<laughs> I love that. I mean, go, sm- s- smells and memories are so like closely tied and, and linked and associated. So, um, I mean, yeah, you, you smell, like you said, you can smell the golf shoes, you smell the cut grass, and, you know, you can instantly be transported back to a time when you were, you know, wherever wherever you were when you first smelled that. So, yeah, yeah. I feel that. Can you tell a t- tell us a time that you laughed the hardest on the golf course? Okay, yeah. So, um, I was in Denmark for a long time over the summer because my fiance is Danish, so we went up mm. for a month with, with the newborn baby to meet her family. And then my first round back, um, I was playing with my old Callaway steelheads. So I brought those were my old irons, right? And I loved nice. them. They were like. Like classic. I mean, like so, I had like my teenage clubs, and then last summer, as I started playing again, all all of my buddies were like, "Come on, man, you've got to get yourself some golf clubs." Like, <laughs> I'm a big guy, so I swing hard, and I had like graphite shafts, and I was just like, I just needed something stiff. So yeah. I found these Callaways on eBay for like, I got like a set, really good condition for like 180 bucks, and um, on the 18th tee at one of my local courses. Um, it's, an, it's a par three over water. Um, got my seven iron out. It's like 100, 160, 165. Seven iron. Um, hit it really well. But as I hit it, the club head detaches from the shot. <laughs> flies into the water in front of me. And that bit wasn't that funny. But I was like, where is my ball? <laughs> I'm just like, like, honestly, I had no idea where the ball had gone because mm-hmm. shot tracer was on the club head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I get, and then I get to the green and it's like within two feet, and I just like I just, I just like absolutely wet myself because I'm just like how <laughs> snap the club head. It's like the best shot I've ever hit, and I broke my club at the same time. So that I was just like all oh, just in stitches because like losing the club head was funny for them, less funny for me. Mm. But then as we got to the green, it was like got a birdie but I mean that's just like that's just that's golf gods right there mm, mm-hmm. truly wow I know you're not uh you don't personally partake in music on the golf course but if you were to uh produce a song inspired by golf or or the mood that is sort of evoked in you from golf can you can you describe how that would sound generically like would it would it be atmospheric and ambient or would you go for something a little more upbeat and funky and in more like jungle style how how would you approach that i, I honestly i honestly think it would sound like basically just like the lord of the rings soundtrack quite regal <laughs> yeah i think so i i feel like golf has that grandeur um mm. And not in like an uptight sort of way. I do think golf is becoming less uptight. Um, mm-hmm. I hope that like future generation is more, like it feels like it's becoming a more accessible game. And I don't know whether that's because I'm becoming slightly middle aged, so I'm like <laughs> fitting in into like the category of person that like feels that golf is more like for them. Huh. Yeah. Um, but golf in the UK is not diverse. Like it's not like. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I would I would like I would take a guess at like sixty five to seventy percent of all members of golf clubs in the UK being like over fifty and white. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's definitely an issue with accessibility in the game in the UK, and I'm sure that you guys experience the same thing in the US as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that definitely needs to be addressed. But I mean, like, yeah, going back to the music, I think like yeah, epic. Uh, like landscape-based classical music. I love that. I, that's, yeah, that, that fits. On that note, though, I'm I'm curious to hear how you think golf culture, I guess first and foremost, should change, but then how, how you are seeing a change as a relative newcomer or re-visitor to the, to the sport and to the game. I think, I think what I'm seeing more is like the fashion of golf changing. Mm. I mean, like, my connection with Jojo, his brand manners, they're doing amazing things in the UK. Yeah. Um, it feels like there is much more of a drive to like make golf fashion less like technical. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. That's a really important part of golf. Um, I don't wear like super technical gear, even though mm-hmm. you probably think you should. Do you know what I mean? I just enjoy what I, the, my golf pants are a pair of, like Stan Ray fatigues that I got some mm. like oil stain. I got some oil stain on them and I was like making, building my shed. So I was like, Oh, those are going to be my golf pants now because like, <laughs> they've got a bit of my oil. On them. Yeah. Um, and then Jojo stuff is just like a really nice cotton polo. And then like, you know, a jumper if it's chilly. Yeah. Um, and a good hat, you know, I've got like the manners bucket hat, which is great. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, the thing I think about golf and accessibility is it's like visibility within the pro game, right? Mm-hmm. For all the amazing stuff that Tiger has done as a personality within the game, what the game didn't capitalize on was what he could have brought to the table. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's the same with Lewis Hamilton in Formula One, right? He is an amazing role model, but yeah. will the sport use him enough to grow participation among ethnic minorities mm-hmm. like probably not unfortunately mm-hmm. because like at the top of these sports like it's a money game mm-hmm. and if you can't bring money to the table as a like you know if you can't bring sponsors into the game or you can't like put sponsors on a, on a racing car mm-hmm. you're not going to be given that opportunity and, and right that's really tough right that's that's like a it's a disappointing fact of modern capitalism, do you know what I mean? And the, and the way that modern capitalism has what dictates the way that sporting institutions are run. Totally agree. And I, I, you're right, it is an unfortunate reality of the capitalistic nature of professional sports as a business. And I think that's why it's just as important for the like underground sort of subcultures of golf to be truly representative of diverse thought people who should be playing the game and also people who always have been playing the game as well it's not like (laughs) golf is not solely white and male and cisgendered and hetero it is like it is more than that and always has been and i think it's up to that subculture that cultural underbelly to 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 share those stories and and showcase those personalities as well well but i mean that and and that's what's the the great thing that the great uh, piece that you guys did in Wisconsin recently with with Random Golf Club around the Ryder Cup stuff, you know, mm. going and seeing those guys playing in their local courses on on Indian land, and it's like wow, there's like mm. 
you guys are like fucking top class golfers. And, <laughs> yep. You know, telling those stories, and you know, you told the story of that that dude who's the was the first black professional, the PGA pro, pro in America. Um, incredible stories, and yeah, and platforms like that yeah. are are really crucial to, to telling those stories more. And mm-hmm. the more that people see those stories, and the more that those stories become normalised the more normal it will be to see like other faces on the golf course. Mm-hmm. And, and that's definitely a problem you have in the UK. It's like, mm-hmm. as soon as there's like someone that's like not normal, like in their eyes, which is like complete bullshit, obviously in this day and age, um, people like get their backs up and it's like, it's just like, it's crazy. Like I've grown up in London. I grew up in a neighborhood, which is like incredibly diverse, culturally, um, ethnically, religiously diverse um and so when i do find myself on a golf course and you do meet people who are who think differently to you and haven't necessarily seen Mm -hmm. the world in all its diverse beauty um and they can't understand that um it's weird it's weird and it it is a bit of a shock because i'm just so used to just being like oh yeah that guy's cool that guy's cool that guy's cool doesn't matter what you look doesn't matter, doesn't matter where you're from. Like, I don't care about that sort of stuff. Right. So when you meet someone that does, or when you meet someone that is scared of other, yeah. it's weird. And I do find that being on the golf course, I find that I find it more often than not on the golf course. Yeah, unfortunately. So I'm eager to get back over to the UK and and play golf and just meet and chat with more more folks on the golf course to just see, just gauge gauge the temperature test the water it'd be really interesting I mean it's yeah. a shame that I can't I mean I would have loved to, to bring my sticks out obviously but I, I, you know, I was yeah. playing like five or six rounds while I was out here and again I would have really enjoyed to like I would have really enjoyed seeing American golf culture in action yeah because I think yeah. I think they probably are quite different cultures I, I do I do think that the American game is probably more loose um, probably a little bit less conformist mm-hmm. uh, like I see guys just like walking around in, in like t-shirts and I actually mm-hmm. probably wouldn't most most courses in the UK, you wouldn't be allowed on. Right, right. Like it's got to be, it's got to be collared. Um, and you can find like your fashion and your niche within a collared shirt, but I'm not going to like play a gig in a polo shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think golf is golf is really diverse depending on where you are in the United States, and you know we're a we're a pretty large country, so I mean. Yeah. Where where Connor is to where so I'm in I'm in Wisconsin. Uh, Brad uh, Brad's in Los Angeles, and you know the the courses that Brad plays, they'll be barefoot. Um, you know they they can wear you know whatever they want, and uh, and it's it's socially acceptable. You know maybe if you go to the East Coast to New England, you probably wouldn't be caught dead in in that sort of outfit. So um, I, I I think you you can kind of find your municipal course or the the place where you feel welcome and you know that's where you're gonna that's where you're gonna play so um but i do think it is important for uh people like yourself or professional athletes or people that are not necessarily golfers to talk about that that they play golf and that they want to see it change because um I, i think for the longest time golf it either just wasn't cool or it just people didn't talk about the fact that they golfed publicly um and and now it's kind of come to the point it was almost a taboo right it was yeah yeah it was like you 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 didn't talk about it but now you have 
you know, DJ Khaled making a music video with golf. You have you have Drake, uh, maybe one of the most. Imp- exactly, which is like that's it's it's kind of crazy. Like I never would have thought, uh, growing up loving the game of golf, that I would see, you know, one of the the most popular musicians uh, of my lifetime starting a golf line. Like that's that's insane to me. Yeah, that speaks that speaks volumes to like where the game has come, right? It does. Um, yeah, and maybe it has just been a slow burner, maybe. Maybe that is the tiger effect taking a hold on our generation. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how yeah. old I am. I'm assuming you guys are like roughly the same age as me, like late twenties, early thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people like Tiger were huge when we were growing up, and so potentially that knock-on effect now is just like because obviously we we become as we get older, we become the gatekeepers of the game. Um, yep. And yeah. it's like, and I do feel that with like politics as well. It's like as our generation get older and become the gatekeepers of all of these institutions and all of these these traditions because we are naturally <clears throat> more empathetic um, we're more awake to the world as it should be and how, how and as it should be seen and how it should be approached in terms of like mm-hmm. just like social conduct ethics mm-hmm. I think that will change and maybe we're just beginning to see the beginnings of that happened, you know what I mean? Maybe we're just right. going to see the fact that, like, we're taking control back off those, like, those old white dudes who are <laughs> sitting, sitting there, like, not letting you wear a T-shirt in the clubhouse. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, who fucking cares, right? Like... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like... Sorry, can you take your hat off? I was like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Why? I'm sorry, did I interrupt your meal? Like, <laughs> is this... But did my hat offend you? Yeah. It's like... Something that I that I intentionally do whenever I play. So if I'm playing in like a t-shirt, um, you know, I have I have tattoos so that are visible if I'm wearing a t-shirt. Like I take extra care to fix ball marks to be like extra friendly, extra polite, just to show people that it's you know what you see on the outside is not necessarily what is going to be you know what your assumption is of someone wearing a backwards hat and wearing a t-shirt on the golf course. Um, you know, you can be respectful of the game. You can be respectful of uh, women on the golf course, of, of other people, of uh, you know, of the, of the course itself, and still, you know, want to have a good time and and just not wear a stuffy outfit. So, I mean, I, yeah, think I, love, that's, I, love, yeah. I love repairing pitch marks. Yeah, right? you guys yeah. agree. <clears throat> Finding your pitch mark, repairing it, and then you're like, any more, any more I can do? And then yeah, like, okay, yeah. I'll do that one. Yeah. I'll do that one. Yeah. Uh, it's part of the game. It's like my pitch mark is like my favorite thing in my bag. <laughs> Did you know? It's like weird things like that. Yeah. I haven't quite worked out how to like hit divots properly. So my divot, my divot repair is <laughs> a little shaky. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just lacking, I'm just lacking practice because I'm not taking good divots yet. <laughs> we'll get, you'll, you'll get there eventually. Where is your happy place outside of golf currently? Um, you're recently on U.S. tour again, which is great. Um, is is stage that happy place for you? Yeah, stage is great. I love being on stage. Um, it's just what I really like about it is seeing people having a good time mm. and understanding that I've been like <clears throat> I've been a part of like giving them an enjoyment. A conduit, yeah. I think especially and especially at this moment in time, we're noticing like extra passion, extra love, yeah. extra happiness. Um, and it's emotion. 
You're right. And I, you know, I was, we played in Toronto recently and my dad's, both my dad's parents are Canadian. So I've got a lot of cousins mm. there and my dad's brother lives out there. Um, and yeah, like I choked up during the first song because there's like the middle eight is, is essentially about like always being there for someone. Mm. And I just like, remember, like I just like pictured my uncle in the crowd having not seen him for like two or three years. Like, yeah, it just got choked up and emotional, and, wow. and that's still like a happiness. It's like this joyous, it's like a joyous emotion. It's, it's like a joyous, joyful tears. Um, but then also, you know, having recently become a father, like mm. just like sitting there and watching my little baby girl, just like doing nothing, just like I can just like honestly sit uh, sit there watching her like th- like throw a cup off the table for like <laughs> six hours straight. Um, that's an incredibly incredibly life-affirming thing to do as right. a father, for sure. Yeah. I, I was sharing this with Drew and Brad recently. Um, I haven't seen a concert in two years. And live music is, especially in Portland, right? Like, there's amazing live music comes through our city. We're so blessed. Our venues are incredible. That was a huge lack in my life, a huge void. Um, I was recently in Brooklyn, a couple months ago and I was on this street fair and there was live music playing as some, uh, a local gospel choir was singing and I just lost it. Just, just like immediately overcome with emotion. And I checked myself and I was just like, Whoa, like why am I having this like just intense physical reaction, emotional reaction to this live music? And I realized it's because I haven't like seen or felt that joy of live performance in two plus years and that the coming back to that moment was powerful very very powerful so i can't even imagine what it must feel like to to give that and to share that and participate in a very active way that that yeah. feeling again it's intense yeah it's really intense um but that's the beauty of it and, yeah and it's actually what's been the silver lining out of all of this is definitely like passion to do it more, passion to do it for longer. Mm-hmm. Um, like definitely understanding how much it means to me. Mm-hmm. Again, it's like I can't take it for granted ever again because it was taken away from me. And to have it back, it's like I want to make the most of it. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I love that. What is uh, what is your Achilles heel? Or uh, what is that thing that uh, what, what's that thing that that drives you and and, and gets you up every single day? What, my case on the golf course. Just in life, your mortal your mortal wound. Your my Achilles heel in life and on the golf course is my driver. Yeah. <laughs> I just like I just wish, just wish I could hit the nut you can't crack is the driver. Yeah, yeah, I need to go and work on that. Off, off, that's my off season, like that's my off season plan. Mm. Um. I think a lack of patience. Hmm. Um, Interesting. And actually, I, I tend to like get frustrated with stuff that like changes. My, my, when my plan has changed, like like hmm. when, when something like it suddenly doesn't go the way that I like intended it to go, or hmm. like so adaptability and lack of patience are probably my two biggest, um, two biggest like personal mm. well things that I would like to work on and be able to improve. But I do think 
golf and becoming a father have really like improved up the patient stakes massively. Mm. Um, and it's and also like having your plans ripped up last minute has <laughs> also been addressed. Quite yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you just find new levels of like calmness and like you know when like literally the shit is hitting the fan. <laughs> So I'm just like, I've managed to like get myself into this Zen place where I'm just like, mm. it's okay. I'm just going to wash it all up. Clean it. Let me do this. <laughs> I've become a much more like methodical process based thinker, which is also quite good for my golf game. Right? Mm. It's like, if I hit a couple of bad shots in a row, it's like, don't get frustrated. Don't become impatient. It's not going to plan. But if you actually go back to your routine, what, should, what are you doing in your setup? Why, like, and then you actually, and then, I, and then I'm setting up properly, and I'm like, of course, I, I haven't done that for the last three shots. Of course, like, I shank all of them. <laughs> so it's just like, stay calm, remain patient, go through the method, go through the process, and you'll hit, you'll hit a much better shot than you did five minutes ago. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I like, nice that. Kind of I like that a lot. To, yeah, adaptability and patience. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of life lessons that from the golf course that you can apply to your daily life. That's that. Yeah. yeah. I guess I just have one more. What, um, what are some of your intentions for the coming year from, a, I suppose from like a mental health perspective, what do you hope to work on in the coming year? I think, I think, uh, what I've struggled with is like understanding the balance between like life as a human being, father, fiance, um, and life as a musician on the road. Like finding that balance is mm. difficult, and sometimes, sometimes makes you feel quite anxious. Um, mm. And so, yeah, striking the balance, or just like understanding that, like you know, even when you know, stuff is difficult at home when you're on the road. It's not like I'm not being asked to stop what I love doing. Mm. I'm just being asked to like understand that it's also hard being the other person in this. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes I can just be like, stop making me feel guilty because I'm away on tour and I'm, I have to be doing this. And she's like, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just like having a conversation with you. Like <laughs> it's been a hard day. I just need you to say like, I'm really sorry. Mm. Like, uh, I wish I was there to help you out rather than like thinking that it's like always a personal attack it's actually just like no i'm, I'm just telling you how i feel like i didn't sleep last night because she was up six times and mm. like you're you're thousands and thousands of miles away and i feel quite lonely mm. and so yeah i need to start i need to stop taking that as like a personal thing mm-hmm. just being like you know this is just how you feel and i just need to acknowledge that and and like and try and like calm your anxiety within that acknowledgement mm. yeah I appreciate you sharing that. That's, um, I'm sure that is an everyday struggle on, on the road. Yeah. 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 Drew, any advice on that front as a father? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I have, uh, I have two children. Uh, I have a six month old and a, a three and a half year old. And, um, yeah, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's really when you have a, a great life partner, you just have to sometimes, um, just, just let them vent or you like you said you just have to just say hey that sucks i i'm sorry um and and i think a lot of times you know guys we like to fix things 
Um, we want to, you know, we just want to jump in and say like, all right, I'm going to, I got this. And, yeah. and yeah, I know I get it. You know, so, you know, I've been away from home too sometimes. And, and it's like, you have that extra like parent guilt because you're leaving the onus on the other partner to, to, to care for them a hundred percent. And, and even though what you're doing is for work and to, you know, make an income to support them, it's still like, you're like, I, I, I can't do everything. So, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of, um, just being okay with that, like you can only do one thing at a time and you can't be everything for everyone all the time. Um, and, and that's tough. I mean, that, that is extremely tough when you have, uh, when you have kids and you have to be away or even just if you have to send your kids to daycare and, uh, yeah, I get it for sure. It's interesting, but it's really interesting what you're saying about, um, like men trying to fix everything, you know, <laughs> and it's so true. And it's like, it must be so frustrating for like partners and who are just like, like, there's nothing you can do. I just need you to like acknowledge that, like this, right. to look yeah. for me right now. Yeah, um, and, and maybe like I need to listen. I need to listen to your that advice as well. It's like I need to go get golf lessons because I can't fix my own we should all, yeah, we all, we could all use lessons for sure. Yeah, just don't, just don't come to us for that because we're useless. No, nah, no, nah. we're a mental health podcast, not a golf podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, man, I, I really hope that we, uh, the four of us, when, when Brad is here as well, we can all chop it up again sometime and um, play some golf at some point as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but this was really special. Thank you for your time. I know it's. Uh, yeah it's a it's a commodity yeah yeah seriously thank you pleasure, absolute pleasure there's another side to good health and that's good mental health